Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us at the fourth and final ASOS talk at Graduate Fashion Week. I'm Danielle Radoichin, the editor of ASOS Likes, and our panellists today are from the far right, Laura Bradley from Dazed Agency, Nellie Eden from uh, Babyface and Refinery29, Naomi Shimada, who's a model and activist, and Charlie Craggs, manicurist and activist. Yeah. More of an activist than manicurist. Um, <laughs> Don't judge my nails. I love your nails. Um, I'd like, so the subject of today is young fashion creatives doing it for themselves, and um, I'm sure that our panellists are going to have a lot of fun things to say about that. But can we just start with you all introducing yourselves and telling us a bit about what you do? Nelly, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Nelly. Um, I'm staff writer at Refinery29. We've recently launched in the UK, if you're not familiar. Um, we're very established in the US. Um, but it's a kind of an online magazine, and it's news through a women's lens, basically. And I also run Babyface, which is a um, kind of online platform and a community for creative women where we get like-minded girls together working on stuff um, and getting their uh, work out there. Thanks, Laura. Hi, I'm Laura Bradley, and I'm the editorial director at Dazed Media Studio. I've been at Dazed for six years and was the editor of another mag.com for five years and recently moved to our in-house agency about six months ago. Hi, I'm Naomi Shimada. <laughs> um, I'm a model and activist working in the realm of spreading the idea of diversity and body positivity. Um, I've recently just started making documentary films, kind of putting together all the things that I care about beyond the realms of just fashion. And I'm Charlie Craggs, and I am a trans activist, and I set up a campaign called Nail Transphobia. I'm not going to bore you all and tell you what it's about. You can Google me if you <laughs> want to do that. But, um, yeah, I basically... Um, I do like a lot of activism, and I do a lot of writing. I basically do everything... Anything I make money off about being trans, I write a lot about trans um, stuff for Teen Vogue and Debrief, and, yeah. Cool. So what helped you decide what you wanted to do? Was there a light bulb moment, or did you just arrive at it by chance? I uh, always wanted to make a magazine, so I did a course about 10 years ago called Fashion Communication and Promotion at St. Martin's, uh, but weirdly ended up working solely on digital throughout my career. Um, but like in a magazine world still, but I'm hugely passionate about digital and social, so that's my story. I had a kind of similar experience in that I always knew that I wanted to write and I'd been doing English literature at university and I'd always imagined I'd sort of do it in a kind of academic capacity. And then I ended up in kind of women's magazines, but again, always digital. And um, I don't begrudge that at all, actually. I really enjoyed that and fully embraced that. I don't have that kind of nostalgia for print that I know lots of people my age do. I quite like working just on digital. Um, I'm 
fell into modeling, but I guess um, after 10 years or so of normal modeling, as they call it, my light bulb moment was actually when I started working as a plus size model because it, it just gave me this, pers I just saw what was lacking visually in fashion and in press as a whole um, of there being anybody in the public eye that was at any different size that was over an eight. So I, that was kind of, I used that to really, I just, I blossomed into have, using my voice because I felt like it, things needed to be said. And that really, you know, changed the whole course of my life. So, Charlie, was yeah. that something similar that happened with you? Literally exactly the same thing, except I'm not as pretty and I'm transgender. So, not so, true, yeah. but no. <laughs> So I basically, like, when I came out as trans, or I, not, I hate saying came out as trans because I always kind of knew, but when I accepted I was trans, it took me a long time to accept myself. But when I did, like, I realised just because I was ready didn't mean the rest of the world was. So my life became a lot, lot harder in a lot of ways, like, that I took for granted beforehand. Like, just, like, leaving the house was, like, a big thing, like, getting the... Getting public transport and using public bathrooms and these sorts of things that I took for granted I was like no one's talking about this and this was back in like 2013 so similar to Naomi I was like I'm going to use my voice to like talk about this because no one else is so yeah. and the rest so you the rest of you finding a niche or finding your USP whatever you want to call it is something that I'm quite interested in um, did you consciously think about finding a way to set yourself apart I think not so much about setting myself apart, but kind of feeling emboldened enough to be like, I want to work differently and I want to work in different spaces. And the best way to do that is just to create them for yourself. So, yes, I do have a nine to five job at Refinery29, but what I do at Babyface was about creating something that I didn't think already existed, different ways to work um, on my own terms. And for me, that was really, really liberating, I think. I think, like you're saying, uh, that, that that kind of ended up being my niche or my USP was this thing that I did on the side. Um, but actually, it came really naturally because I was just really desperate to find a different way to work that wasn't um, nine to five at a desk, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I just thought I wanted to work with girls my age and get them all in the same room and get them talking and get them collaborating. And it's kind of really liberating when you just set about trying to do that even if even if it fails I think I think I found it really hard to work out what my niche was and when I I did work experience under Penny Martin who was an amazing she's mentor. the editor at the gentlewoman and we were at show studio at the time and I remember finishing my work experience which la lasted two years in the end turn into a full-time job and she said okay you're good to go now you just need to find your niche and I just thought I would find that within <laughs> six months. Easier said than done. Yeah. And ten years later I think <laughs> I worked it out. I'm glad. So basically just what have a it? good time and uh, I think I would find it even harder to put it into words but basically in the last six months I found a job that feels really good for me and I found things that I'm really passionate about and worked out what my skills are and who I need to be surrounded by. And Days is a really amazing place for that because there's so many different types of people working there. So do you think it's just about trying lots of different things then? Because that word, that term multi-hyphenate gets bandied around a lot. Um, but obviously that's because there's maybe people are just trying to find their way. Do you think that's a response to that? I think like 
working really hard at stuff and just trying and then constantly reviewing like why it's worked or why it's not worked and collaborating with people as well so when I'm looking at younger creatives like I really like the people that have collaborated with different types of people and like start gangs or like movements together and that's really interesting to see as a person that's commissioning talent. I think that's true what Laura's saying about like maybe thinking of your friends as potential colleagues that's like a good thing to do like you're likely to hang out with them because you have things in common and uh, you're probably going to be really really creative when you come together with those people because you're going to have similar value sets and objectives that you might not find in a structured workplace you might find it there but you know collaborate with your friends is a good thing to do I think and when I was um, at St. Martin's, I was in a class of 15 girls and it was really competitive and the girls weren't very nice to each other. And what I've noticed definitely over the past decade is people are way more open to sharing ideas and working with each other. And like the girl that really stands out in my class was Sharmadine Reed, who's like really into supporting girls and working with others, but everybody else was kind of head down and like focused on what they were doing. And I think... I've learned a lot about sharing ideas and like just being around like-minded people is really important. Yeah, I think it is interesting this idea of creating a support network and we've spoken about it quite a lot in this series. Do you, Charlie, do you have that? Do you find that you have some sort of support network that you turn to to help you either professionally or emotionally? Um, I'm, again, really lucky that I've got a really good circle of friends who I kind of pull on for things like so... I studied something a bit similar to Laura. I studied creative direction for fashion at London College of Fashion, and it was kind of like a course where you did a bit of everything or could do what you wanted. So I was quite lucky in that I left the course equipped with a lot of skills that I like needed so that I'm able to kind of do everything in-house and like save a ton of money and like do my graphics and do my own films and do my... So I think that's really important to be kind of self-sufficient if you can. But if you can't, then definitely like look into pulling from your friends for sure. And I want to talk about brand building because I think that's something you are all involved in in different ways. How, have you, how much effort and time do you put into building your own brand, you three? And then, Laura, I know you work with brands a lot as part of your job, so I'm interested to hear how you work with them to build up their brands. Um, I think our true currency, our true value is us. And we can't forget that, you know. I read the other day that success is something, you know, being successful is, some, is doing something that you're proud of every day. And, you know, my MO, I, I know, it's taken me years to get here. I mean, you know, I have been in and out of this business since I was a child. And, and you change, you know. And, but I think it's really important to stay inspired, you know, keep, keep reading, keep watching, keep thinking about what it is that's important to you because ultimately what you're passionate about is the only thing, doing something that you feel passionately about is the only thing that's going to keep you happy in this life. Like no matter what you're earning or where it's taking you, you know, it, it has to, it has to all come from there because then you want to put in the hours and you want to put in all of that. So figuring out the core value of what, what you stand for, what you will do, what you won't do, what kind of change you want to see in the world, you know, and I think starting with that as as a base and going from there is a good place to start because you know ultimately your your core and your originality is like your true value and no one can take that away from you 
I think when it comes to kind of the idea, like Naomi's saying, of individual branding, that's quite an icky concept because that suggests a kind of monetary value that you are worth something. It's kind of that you're a conduit for financial exchange or something like that. So maybe we need different words for that. And not being afraid to kind of call yourself an artist or a creative. Those words are important. You need to give yourself that kind of self-esteem. You can only believe in yourself before other people believe in you. So as long as you're, like Naomi suggested, being authentic, as authentic as anybody can be, and, you know, you're, like Naomi's saying, you all change. What I wanted two years ago is different from what I wanted two weeks ago. And the jobs that you come in and out of and the people that you meet will totally dictate that. But as long as in the moment you're being uh, true to yourself, as cheesy as that sounds, that's a good way to think of it. Don't think of yourself as a brand... Um, don't think about what other people think. I think there's something about the word brand that suggests that you're you thinking about being consumed or your consumer, and maybe that's the wrong way to come at it in terms of creative output. How do you come at it at Dazed? Um, I look at it now as like I'm constantly looking for amazing people to collaborate with. So when I was the editor at Another, I was constantly scrolling through Instagram on a Sunday evening, screenshotting amazing things that I'd found and then furiously sending them to my team members on a Monday morning. Um, and quite often, I would rather than looking for people with huge followings, I'd be finding looking for someone who's a, got a really strong aesthetic or an idea with a small following, and then we'd work with them. And there was a guy, there's a guy called David Larashi who we commissioned and has gone on to do lots of uh, big jobs for magazines and uh, brands. And his thing was photographing people from behind in Paris. Um, and we sent him out to Fashion Week to do street-style photography, and he's, it's become so successful for him that people now do this thing called larashing. so they do their imitation of, like, shots from behind. And it's such a simple thing, like, anyone can take a picture like that, but he'd found, like, a really smart thing, and I think Instagram's an amazing place for finding, like, things that people do, like whether it's Eva Chen's back of the cab leg fruit pose or David's from behind pictures and like it can sound really basic but actually like David's behind pictures are really genius. And it's not just you know about uh, Instagram, I think it's it it's a photo sharing platform and it's kind of eaten itself up already. It's a really great platform to find people and for people to share their work. But I think we get kind of wrongly tarnished with being just a visual age, just an instant age. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to write or create something physical. Or I mean, we're all here in a room together now. I know what Laura's saying about gangs and um, you know uh, creative groups. And it's, it's always worth getting people together in a physical space and doing that. And no matter how banal or small the idea seems, like Laura's saying, it's, if, if that's what you're good at, then do that, that thing really, really well. And what's the best way to get someone's attention if you've never met them before? Career-wise, obviously. Legally or... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, be really nice. Uh, there's not enough of that around. Mm. Like, I, I find it really hard to get into the industry. I remember sending, like, 30 letters to every magazine that I loved and, unbelievably, Dazed and Show Studio were the only ones that got back to me. And Penny's super polite, so I can understand that. But knowing how disorganised Dazed is, like, we are... 
literally dazed sometimes, but um, they had someone that <laughs> called me, and even if it was just an intern, like, I really appreciated that. Sorry, we don't have anything now, but try again in six months. Like, it was a nice thing, and I think like, it's really nice when people respond to emails or like, people remember meeting you and like, do a nice follow-up after something. Like, it goes quite a long way, I think. Have any of you had experience of finding a job in that way, or has it always been through contacts, existing contacts? I think being nice, like you said, I think it, there's so much to be said for people who are nice. I think the people who make it most, or maybe not, but like I've always been told, like by the people I respect most, that um, to make it, you, like you've got to be nice, but also be talented, like because people aren't going to want to work with you if you're not nice. Like they, they might for a while, but then after a while they'll be like, oh. Like, once you've made a name for yourself. So, like, and all the work I've got, like, my first jobs and stuff has, have all been because, like, I, w I was not, because I'm so nice, but because I was nice. Like, so, I, me and Naomi were just in um, the Selfridges campaign that Catherine Ferguson shot, and Catherine Ferguson lectured on my course, and I was, like, very nice, like I said. I, I think I was, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, but I, I am, like, I'm genuine. So nice. I am, I'm very nice. But I'm, like, quite genuine and real, and I, Catherine always got that from me from year one, so, like, when I left the course, she kind of, like, messaged me about something, and, I, and then she kind of took me on I didn't have any job and I couldn't find a job for like six months and because I was nice she that's why she did it like because she and she's always said she's like oh like she and you can tell when it's genuine as well like don't like do follow up in emails um, and stuff and all that kind of like thing but only do it if it's genuine because people can really smell if it's not like being genuine I mean the fashion industry isn't known for being the most yeah. genuine like full of integrity industry so you know it does go a long way you know just people can feel that and if that's what you put out you know that it also radiates back to you so it's, yeah yeah I, free, I used to freelance for ID and I, would, I pitched cold to them initially and then I just built up a really good rapport over email with the um, editor who was there and then that led to something else and Everybody you meet is, you know, you might potentially work with them. So treat them with the same courtesy that you, you would hope to be treated with. It really is that simple, I think. And, like, like, not just being nice, like, practice good vibes whenever you can. Like, not just doing, <laughs> like, being polite. Like, if I see something that is going to be good for someone else, like, I always like to think that people share stuff and don't be protective of ideas and like put people forwards for things like it all comes around and like it makes the industry a really good place to be yeah like I don't have that I'm not as influential as Laura in terms of commissioning people but part of the reason I enjoy working at Refinery is that I can champion my friend's work if ever Naomi's done something or you know I like I really enjoy being able to cover that and share that and use that platform for the very best that I, I can so make friends with journalists too yeah <laughs> So if you're looking for a job and you can't necessarily find one, do you recommend freelancing or do you think that's not such a good idea when you're starting out? Uh, freelancing is a tricky thing to do. Uh, I recommend a bar job if you're starting out and you want to do freelancing, but if, you, if you've got that tenacity, then so go for it. bar job plus internship sort of thing or...? Uh, yeah, I would recommend always being in work whenever you can and there's nothing wrong with hopping around and doing different things and dipping your toe in here and dipping it in there. I was working at Boots magazine when I first graduated, which let me tell you is as glamorous as it sounds. Like I, you know, you just you just got to do it here and there and then you it's just that domino effect of you meet this person, you meet that person and 
actually, like, the, I worked in retail for five years, and, you know, you never, you never know where that's going to help you, and that's not the way that you should be thinking, but freelancing without context, that's a, that's a really tough gig. I, uh, when I graduated, I worked at Dover Street Market in Liberty for about a year, and I hope none of my tutors are here now, but I learned more about fashion selling clothes than I did being at St. Martin's. And all of the stuff I learned about Comme des Garçons and Azadine Alaya, like, is still here in my head now. And that, like, being in an amazing shop that I really respected and was inspired by was had a really big impact on me and I met loads of like the editor-in-chief of Dazed worked alongside me on the shop floor um, as well as Charlie Casely Hayford and brilliant people who went on to do great things Um, and that was like a money job essentially but I got a lot out of it and it was really nice to balance that with like an internship or freelance work. And um, is there like an end, have you guys got a goal that you've set yourselves or is it just a case of rolling with it and seeing how things go? I really want your job. (laughs) (laughs) I've always just said like, so I got asked this the other day and I was like, my goal's always just been to be like successful and you just kind of keep going until you feel like you've achieved that. Like you just, and not just successful, like happy and successful, but like I think like, because someone I said, but how can you score if you don't have a goal? And I'm like, well, like my goal is just to be successful because it's about like building momentum. So like I just grab this. What, and I is, grab that. what is success? What is success to you? It's like a mixture of things. Like I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, like I just I want money, but like I do want money. Like I'm from a council estate. Like people not say, lie. money can't buy happiness, but it could buy you a house. And you could be sad in your house, or you could be sad in a council estate. <laughs> so I do want money, but I also want to be happy and like, um, like just yeah. I just I think it's so it's. I want to be able to, like, help other people as well. But, like, do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know, like, and I think I don't have a definition for success. It's more of a feeling. Like, I just know when I feel successful. Like, I feel successful now sitting amongst these amazing women. So, like, that's... I've, I feel like I just keep chasing that good feeling rather than chasing one thing. And I think it's important to be, like, um, open to pivot and change. Like, when I came out of um, uni, I was doing film, like I said, with Catherine. And, like, now I'm doing this. And I, in, in another two years, maybe I'll be doing something else. So I think it's good to be able to like pivot and change. I was going to say that, you know, and, and your 20s are really, really hard. Graduating is really, really hard. It's very difficult to look at yourself and think, I look successful. It's much easier to look at other people and, and think that they're successful and measure your own goals against theirs. And you, you have to stop that because comparison is the thief of joy. But it's just about, like Charlie's saying, it's an amalgamation of much kind of more nuanced feelings. And at this age, you just have to take everything as it comes and, and chase the things that feel good to you and just cut out the things that feel bad. Anything that doesn't feel natural, anything that feels bad, the sooner you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to stop doing that, I'm going to stop putting myself there, then that will come. More more good, good things, chase good things. And I think... You know, it, you can have long-term goals, but also do, like, monthly goals. You know, yeah. I've started doing that. You know, it's just, it's nice to check in with yourself and think about what it is you actually want and the realistic things you can achieve in that amount of time. Yeah, I read that Lena Dunham has, like, a daily list and a weekly daily, list and a monthly, monthly like, and a life list. You know, as Erica Badu says, spelling it, it out is a spell itself. So, you know, we're just thinking about taking that time with yourself and be like, okay, what do I want? 
in six months? What do I want this year? What do I want now? Like, and what can I do to just get those realistic little things moving? Because the long-term goals change when you change too. Like mine constantly change. And I, as I grow older, like as much as I do want, I need to earn a living, etc. I also want to be happy. So I've started also saying no to a lot of things. Like that's also important to learn how to say no to things, which took me a long time. And you. But sometimes in, in the long term, like the, the short term little things, like you have to learn how to do that too. And um, yeah, so just, just check in with yourself and ask yourself questions, I think. Well, I think that's, uh, go on, Laura. No, say I was something. just going to say uh, baby steps is what I think, like, do, like making those monthly, yearly, daily lists is really good because you can't achieve it all in one go. Like not setting yourself up to like do loads of things is really important like if you achieve one good thing great like don't put loads of pressure on yourself be kind to yourself that's like i beat you know we all beat ourselves up so much about especially in this whole like comparing lifestyles era that we're in and we like that is toxic you know everyone does things at their own speed and has different measures of what makes them happy and what's what is success you know so don't be so hard on yourself like no everybody's figuring it out you can look at I mean, I'm really into watching Chef's Table at the moment. <laughs> the new series is very good. But, you know, I was just watching it, and I was just like, you know what? You, everyone at the top has had so many struggles. Like, there's, you know, mental health issues in it, suicide issues, like this, this, this. Like, nobody came to their first restaurants for years and years and years. Like, everyone has had a rough time. You could look at someone's life and be like, you know what? They look like they have it all figured out. But we have no idea. We actually have no idea. And just remind yourself of that, you know, these measures and goalposts that we've all set for ourselves. Like, you know, don't compare because everybody's different and your achievements, what it might look like from the outside isn't what it feels like on the inside. So do it in your own space and capacity. Okay, and that's kind of a nice Watch chef's table. place. <laughs> what? Um, I think we're going to go to questions in one minute, but I just wanted to ask which publications you or podcasts you follow and listen to for your own enjoyment or inspiration or just for oh information podcast savage love does anyone listen to savage love listen to it it's really good it's this gay guy called, i've forgotten his first name i think he's dan savage and these people call in with like their really weird um sexual urges desires problems and he's like the most straight talking like cuts straight through the shit listen to dan savage it's really good i've just got into running and the only podcast i have at the moment is called the running stories it's not great for everyone but it's really helping me right now <laughs> I'm like the biggest podcast nerd, so I can do like a special after this where I talk about them all. <laughs> because I'm uh, just off the top of my head. Um, the, the bitch media one, which is like the feminist like media cast, is really amazing. I always get really great ideas for that. From that, um, 99% Invisible is what I listen to every night before I go to bed, which is like this beautiful design podcast of all the things that you that are ac- that are actually going on that you don't notice. Like these really beautiful stories. The Moth, which is like the storytelling one. Um, yeah, find me after if you want a bigger list. I'll send you my list. Also, online, the new inquiry is really good. There's one writer on there, Hannah Black. She's amazing. Everybody should check her out. London Book Review is really good if that's your kind of thing. Um, yeah. 
You will listen to so many. I'll tell you, the only one I listen to, and I'm not just cynical to hear, is the ASOS one. Yay! I love that one. I was about and to d- big that one up. Yeah, I just filmed one. Thanks so for doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, no, there comes his house. So we have a weekly ASOS podcast called My Big Idea, where we talk to young people who set up their own business. And then we also have the ASOS magazine podcast, which comes out every two weeks. Okay, does anyone have any questions for our panelists? How can you go about securing work experience like initially what's the what in your opinion what is the best way to approach it is it by email is it by going out and networking is it about what would you say i think find the right contact and don't do a blank email which says hi id and then it goes to dazed which i see quite a lot um so get the person right and like try and find out as much as you can about the different departments because if you want to do writing you need to be speaking to the editorial people and remember that the editors are quite busy so hitting up the assistants is a really good way to get in and just finding the right people and writing something quite genuine and short no longer than one paragraph is good do people um, ever do DM you? Follow up. Do people ever DM you on Instagram? Um, one of our panelists earlier in the week was saying that's happened to her a few times, and it worked. I think they're in the blue box that I haven't opened yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if people email me, like I always get back, but I need to look in that DM box. I think. I think going the extra mile and just like talking about, you know, actually knowing what that company does and what the, why you see yourself there and actually yeah, talk like about projects that do they've done them. that you connect with. I, just like making, showing that you've made an effort to even figure out what's going on there, I think already gives you extra leverage than this a blank email. Any more questions? Um, with like social media being so important now when it comes to getting jobs and things, um, how important do you think it is to sort of keep your accounts clean or do you think you can just be completely, completely yourself on there? I mean, I, I personally, I struggle with that. Not, not that I struggle, I just, I've definitely sometimes brands have decided not to, like a super clean brands are like, not not to work with me, but they've, you know, they wor- I think they worry about it sometimes, but like ultimately my social channels are also the only thing that's really mine, especially as a model in this business. You know, like every day you go to work and you're a different version of what somebody else wants you to be. And, you know, that was also the part that started getting really tiring for me because, and, you know, you're, you're, you're acting out a role, which is totally fine, but in your pri- if your social channels are also, like, the only place that you can express who you actually are. So I think it's finding a balance, like, you know, don't go, like, too, like, too crazy, but also I feel like you retain that sense of who you actually are, too, you know? I think um, if whoever you're looking to work with, if they, it, it has to be tidy in some way, but I think if they don't get it, you're not right for them anyway. Yeah. Like, quite often now, rather than looking for a face, like, we'll look at that person's Instagram account for their personality, and we'll, like, assign people to projects for that reason. Like, I think we've gone past the point of just somebody looking good. Like, we need someone with a great voice, like, that's got a really brilliant personality and going to bring something to the table so I think don't be scared of that like yeah. I think the whole industry is moving that way yeah, it's like yeah. a really interesting time that I'm so happy is actually happening because you know I do think like 
in this world that we're living in today, it is important that we need more than just a face because, and, and, and now that there are all these extra social channels, people need you to be able to talk on camera, they need you to be able to be present in life form to be able to th like kind of take on anything that's like thrown at you. You have to be able to handle it, which if just being like pretty isn't enough anymore. Yeah, and all channels are subject to trends, so don't subscribe to any of them. You know, Instagram, people posting things with white borders, or don't get uptight and, like Naomi's saying, you know, just, just kind of let it, you know, post what you want when you want to is the, is the best way to show off who you are. So I think don't be afraid of it. I would say as well, just, like, know your brand and, like, own your brand, because, like, for me, I am very, like, I, I'm not... I don't want to be a primary school teacher, so I don't need to not swear. Like, I swear, like, a lot. And, and that's my brand. And anyone who wants to work with me will work with me because they like that. So I think it's, like, you just know your brands. And also, if, you're, if you understand yourself... I know we talked about not calling ourselves brands. But, like, if you understand yeah. yourself as, like, a, yeah. almost like a brand, then you won't want to go and work with someone who won't like you because of that, like Laura said. So just own it. All right, well, I think we're going to wrap it up. So um, thank you very much to our panellists, Laura Bradley, Nellie Eden, Naomi Shimada, and Charlie Craggs. I'm Danielle Rodeutchen from ASOS. Thank you. Hello, listener. Is it me you're looking for? As brands, we're always wanting to make a connection, to find the person you can rely on, the one that's there every week, month, or year, and always has your back when you need them the most. It's a little like matchmaking, don't you think? With Acast Podcast Ads, you can filter for your exact dream audience so you can find the ideal customer for your business. The Romeo to your Juliet, the Rachel to your Ross, the Bert to your Ernie, and avoid those red flags and time wasters. Your ads can communicate with them in the most intimate way possible. A one-on-one -on -one conversation, a chance meeting in the gym, or a coffee shop. So go on, give it a try. With over hundreds of thousands of listens a month, your person is probably here. Get closer to your audience. Make podcast ads with Acast. Head to go.acast.com to get started.